and welcome to Books and Boba, a podcast about books written by Asian and Asian American authors. Uh, we're also a book club. Um, I'm Marvin Yu, joined by Rira Yu and Alice Van Chang. Hello. How's Hi. it going? And uh, yeah, this is our, I guess, mid-month episode. Uh, we decided, you know, one month is way too long in between to listen to our voices. <laughs> so we wanted to... And there's so much. So if you've been following the Books and Boba Facebook page and Twitter, you've seen that Rira has been following very closely the goings-on of the literary world, especially in terms of Asian-American authors. And I've been, I didn't realize that there was that much news going on. I mean, there are slow months, obviously. Like, I kind of wish we did this mid-month episode last month because so many books by Asian American authors came <laughs> out. Like Marie Lu's, uh, like the the final book of the Young Elite series, like Midnight Sun, Midnight Star, Midnight Star. Sorry, Midnight <laughs> Star. Oh my god. Um, yeah, like so many books came out last month, but this month it's a little bit slower. But we still have some book news. And then uh, we decided to bring Alice on to um, give her hot takes as well. Um, Yay! <laughs> I will also be providing hot takes since I'm not 100% keyed yeah. into what's been happening. But Rira's been, like, she's she has a lot to say. <laughs> a lot to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we decided to, you know, in between our monthly book reviews or book club episodes to bring you a... Um, a review on what's been going on in the world of Asian American literature. And, you know, in lieu of that also, you know, it gi- it'll give us a chance to bring on maybe authors to talk to or people in the, in the biz um, that might be cool to listen to. So yeah. This is, and talk uh, about like our feelings on <laughs> <laughs> just like all the rage. <laughs> yeah. It's been a, it's been a weird, weird couple of just a weird week, actually. It's been a weird year. It's been a weird like, year. Yeah. Waiting for 2016 to end. It's like, I just need it to end. Yeah, I'm a not real like an <laughs> angry person, but lately I've felt very full of rage, which is unusual. 2016, for me. just quit it. Yeah. yeah. Stop. <laughs> Anyways, um, I guess we'll just start off with um, Reba. What's been up in the world of Asian American literature? Okay, so I guess we'll start with like books that are coming out this month or have already came out earlier this month. So the first book on our list is Timekeeper by Tara Sim. And it's the publisher is Sky Pony Press. The book came out in November 8th. And it's about um, it's set in an alternate Victorian world where uh, clock towers can control the flow of time. And it follows Danny, a 17-year-old mechanic who is assigned to fix a broken clock in a small town. And he falls in love with uh, his mysterious apprentice, who turns out to be a clock spirit. Ooh. Yeah. Sounds interesting. Yeah. I just like the aesthetic. Mm. <laughs> Steampunk just looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the second book on our list is The Elephants in My Backyard, a memoir. And it's by Rajiv Surendra, who is, uh, if you are a fan of Mean Girls, he's that uh, guy who raps in The Mathlete. Oh. Yeah, so it's a memoir, um, and it's published by Regan Arts. And it's just a memoir that chronicles his pursuit to be cast in the lead role of The Life of Pi, because apparently <laughs> uh, Rajiv went to India 
to do some research and some soul searching. So, um, cool. yeah, I mean, it sounds pretty um, interesting. Indian Tamil Canadian, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Tamil Canadian. It's a good mix. And then we have memoirs of a polar bear. Not an actual memoir. <laughs> um, the novel follows three generations of polar bears who are famous as both circus performers and writers in East Germany. And it's written by Yoko Tawada and translated by Susan Bern- Bernofsky. And uh, the publisher is New Directions. And it came out November 8th. So it is available. Is this nonfiction or is it? Uh... It's No, it's... Polar it's bears? definitely fiction <laughs> with, with polar bears as characters. So there's not actually three generations of polar bear that were circus performers and, just, and writers just in crushing my dreams right now. <laughs> I want to read it because it just seems so whimsical and yeah. weird. And I just love weird books because they just go in really, really unexpected yeah. directions. Mm-hmm. So. Still sounds interesting. I was just wondering if it was for reals or not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next, we have Fish in Exile, and that's by... Oh, shoot. Okay, I'm sorry if I butcher this. Uh, uh, v. Key Now? Now? No one here is Vietnamese. I so. am so sorry <laughs> if I mispronounce your name. Uh, but um, it's... By Coffee uh, Coffee House Press, and the novel follows a married couple, Ethos and Catholic, who lose their twin children in a terrible accident at the seashore and must learn to cope with their grief. Ethos and Catholic. Those are like interesting. Yeah. Um, From what I've heard about it, it's definitely like there's definitely a lot of like poetry Hmm. in it because the author is like known for her poetry. Um, and I think this is her debut novel, so oh, that's cool. It's interesting. And last but not least, we have Invisible Planets, an anthology of contemporary Chinese science fiction in translation. And it's an anthology of uh, Chinese sci-fi stories written by Chinese uh, sci-fi authors. And the editor is Ken Liu, and you probably mm-hmm. have heard his name from the Dandelion Dynasty series, um, uh, I think his second book in that series just came out earlier this year. So that is published by Tor Books, and it came out earlier this month. So that is also available at your bookstore. That's awesome. Quite a quite a varied list. Yeah. You got good, good mix. polar bear fantasy and steampunk and Chinese science fiction, which is something that I'm kind of interested yeah, in. Yeah, I'm like really yeah. interested in it because like, like I, because I, you know how in like, at least in Japan, sci-fi is like big robots and yeah. like mecha. And I'm like, oh, what's Chinese sci-fi like? Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's on the list, but there's the three-body problem, which is one of the first like big. Oh yeah, um, that's definitely like Chinese on our sci-fi list. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> stories um, that's being made into a movie, and it's really interesting. I was listening to um, someone else describe it as, you know, a lot of sci-fi that we see in the world is very Western focused. Right. It's like Western sci-fi. Um, so. What sci-fi is in other cultures is always super interesting. You know, like you said, Japanese, you know, big robots or, you know, a lot. I think there's a lot of cosmic horror in Japanese sci-fi. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so it'd be interesting what the, the Chinese, like, um, what's the right word? Canon is? Um, perspective? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, perspective, I guess. Yeah. Um, shall I move to book deals? Yeah. 
Who's getting paid? Let's check it out. Who's getting paid? <laughs> Who got their books picked up? <laughs> uh, so Roshani Chowski, uh, the author of The Star Touch Queen, she has her new tr- new trilogy, The Gilded Wolves, picked up by St. Martin's Press uh, and Wednesday Books. And it's set in Paris, and the series follows a charismatic but cursed heir of a massive fortune as he plots to steal one of three ancient and powerful artifacts of fate. He and his crew will navigate the elite gatherings of secret occult societies, traveling through Paris's catacombs, where they must confront their worst secrets, as well as, desti- uh, as, well as the destiny they never imagined. Publication is set for fall 2018. It's so far. That sounds it's so, so YA so fiction excited. trilogy. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited um, because... Uh, You're a fan of her, right? Yeah, yeah. She, her writing is beautiful. It's like... It's very lush. Lush and gorgeous and... Her covers are also very beautiful. Yeah. Although that's like not really in the author's control. Right. <laughs> yeah. But in her case, her... She has good taste, right? Because she... Does she... Do the authors get like final say on the covers or is that the publisher? No. They can sometimes like have input. Like, mm. you know, like, oh, I would like this direction. Or like, yeah. my book is inspired by these sorts of images. But they ultimately don't have control. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, next, we have, uh, let's see, Viking has acquired world rights to Look, What Do You See? The first children's book by MacArthur Award winner Xu Bing, uh, who was the former VP of China's Central Academy of Fine Arts. And this is an art puzzle book of American and Chinese songs. And it's illustrated by Becca... Stadlander, yeah, Becca Stadlander, and public publication is scheduled for fall 2017. So it's like a book of ciphers, or um, maybe like it's it's hard to say because it is a picture book, right? Yeah, a lot of his art is like very like calligraphy based, oh, so yeah. I would assume that the book has a lot of that in store for it. That's cool. It's kind of like the whole um last mimsy thing where they're trying to train kids to like think abstractly i think that's cool or it's you know a way to indoctrinate our kids (laughs) and last but not least we have jade feng lee who sold her debut middle grade graphic novel to scholastic 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 or is it scholastic i've always called it like scholastic 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 yeah yeah that's true I never thought about that for now. I feel so dumb right now. They're the, the monthly book club people, right? Yeah. Where you ordered books, book yeah. orders from school. Um, yeah, so the graphic novel follows a second-generation Chinese-American middle schooler who struggles to reconcile her Chinese heritage with her, quote-unquote, American expectations of her peers. Publication is tentatively slated for 2019. So that's not coming out for a while, but it's nice to have, like, like younger graphic novels yeah. for younger readers. That's definitely. true. I was thinking my first reaction to that was like, oh, not no, not another one of these. <laughs> but for the for the middle grade range, I think that makes sense. Like, if not for Asian Americans to read, for like their non Asian classmates to kind of yeah. get a sense yeah. of the the, the yeah. alienation. And I feel and like I feel like you know that age was probably the the age when I was most like no no I'm American you know <laughs> you know so um so yeah like I think that's good to have for, have you have you, you know. guys have either of you read um 
American Born Chinese, the graphic novel yeah. by Eugene. Yes. But like as an adult. As yeah. an adult. I right? read it um, in college. Yeah, it doesn't really seem like it's for a younger audience. Right. It seems like for people who are in college or yeah, a or little bit more Like mature. older teens yeah. maybe, but yeah. I don't know. Like I remember I read a lot of uh, of like Asian children books growing up. <laughs> like they were written in English and they were like written by like Korean, Korean or Korean American authors because I went to Korean school mm. and like the teachers were like, read this. This will right. teach you about history. And I like a book of fables that was, was that translated counts, yeah. by Chinese fables. I don't know. But like those stories were mainly like set in Korea or like set in Japan. Right. And it's like, oh, it's never really about like people like me growing up in America. So Right. They're That's not like true. Asian American. Yeah, they're not Asian American. They're just Asian. Yeah. yeah. I remember always being excited when I like there's that one Asian kid in like the um the magic school bus. Right. right. Oh my God. You're right. <laughs> there's like that one I was always interested in what that one kid was doing, you know? Yeah. Or it's like how, you know, if you read Babysitter Club, which I didn't really, but there was that one Asian girl that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Claudia. Claudia, who is not good at school, eats <laughs> junk food all the time. And wants to be like fashionista. Yeah. And she's like super artsy. And I'm like, um, you're my hero. That's yeah. totally the Alice. Like, I'm American. Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, And I guess other book news. Okay. Well, book news. We should have like, we should have theme songs for each of these. We segments, should. I feel like someone should make us jingles. So you uh, mus- musicians out there who are <laughs> listening to this, uh, help us out. Yeah. We need new release music, new book deal music and news. Book news, book news. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, this isn't really Asian American related or really Asian related, but I'm a really big fan of Emma Watson. She's my, <laughs> she's my girl crush. And I really did want to like talk about this because, um, she this will be like our emma stone like segment where you can talk about one non-asian one person. non-asian okay like i'm allowed one okay <laughs> so um she was a book fairy this past uh this past week and she hid books in the london and new york subway as part of the books on the underground uh which is a london-based group that puts 150 books in the underground and in, in the subway systems uh, a week every week for commuters to enjoy and she left copies of Maya Angelou's Mom and Me and Mom and I'm like that's so cool because I would have loved to just find free books lying around the subway when I was in New York yeah would you pick them up though yes free books <laughs> what if Do you someone know how left expensive them then books that would be are? Dealing. Well, there should be a note yeah, saying there, like, "Hey, I would, yeah, I would guess that there's this book a, is for a you." Note. Love Emma Watson. If Emma Watson left me a book, book I would probably. I'm pretty sure she it. signed it. I mean, <laughs> that's cool though. Good she's, on you. She's Emma pretty much Hermione in real life. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Did any of you saw uh, the Beauty and the Beast trailer? I did. I'm pretty excited. I have mixed feelings about it. <laughs> and I feel so torn. I'm like, oh, you're so beautiful, but I don't know if I'll like this movie. <laughs> and I feel bad because it's a movie about like... Stockholm like, Syndrome? Well, no. Yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> but like the main character is like a book lover. And I'm just right. like, I should identify with you, but I don't. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> anyway. It looks, was- it looks Disney, so... Yeah, yeah. I didn't think I, I always thought they they would go more like 
closer to the actual, you know, the actual fairy tale. Fairy tale, but it looks like they're they're just remaking. The, yeah. the Disney movie. Yeah, so that's why I'm kind of like, well, I like the Disney, the animated movie. So if they, <laughs> if they hew pretty close to that, I think I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> um, another piece of book news, uh, Madeline Fien was named the winner of 2016 Scotiabank Giller Prize for her novel, Do Not Say We Have Nothing. And she's Canadian, so. Congrats. Yeah, yeah. congrats. It's like very rare to see um, Asian American or just authors of Asian descent win awards. Sometimes, like that's just how I feel sometimes because mm-hmm. um, I feel like it's going to be more and more common though. Now that there's there are more authors in the world too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. We also got a Pulitzer this year. We, as in the Asian <laughs> <laughs> but you know, um, I think there's there's a whole generation coming into coming of age that are writers much more than like 10 years ago right yeah yeah so i'm sure there are more and more opportunities in the future i mean like i I feel like i see more like white authors winning awards for writing books about people of color than like people of color winning awards like that's writing true. about people of color, like Memoirs of a Geisha. That won an award, and I'm <laughs> yeah. just like, why did that win? It's so inaccurate. <laughs> that was just like 20 years ago. Like back then, all we had was like Amy Tan <laughs> and Amy Tan. <sighs> Which brings up to the continent. <laughs> oh, the continent. So this has been blowing up literary Twitter for the last like couple of weeks, right? Even before the election. Yeah, yeah, it was, like, right before the election. Yeah. Well, Alice, do you want to, like, take... Please fill us in what happened. Because I found out about this incident through you. Because, I, like, I was just like, what is The Continent by Kira Drake? Like, <laughs> like why is everybody tweeting about this? It's all over my Twitter. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so basically, a big, dis- a big discussion if you follow, um, like, young adult or kid lit um, Twitter... Uh, or internet goings-ons is, uh, you know, obviously diversity issues and um, specifically own voices, which is just uh, a call for giving more space to uh, people to write about their own experiences rather than having, like, someone outside the experience writing the experience. Um, So, anyways... The big thing with The Continent is that it's an upcoming YA book that was slated to be released like early 2017. So review copies have been going out to bloggers and, you know, book review websites and such. And um, from there, it became, I guess, obvious that there were some major issues with it um, in terms of how, I mean, it's a fantasy, but in the fantasy, um, some of the characters in this world bear like a striking resemblance to real life cultures and people and not in a flattering way. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the controversy is that people realize like, hey, these are like really bad stereotypes in a book that is aimed at 
younger readers and shouldn't someone speak up about speak it? up about it yeah like um when i found out about the continent i went to goodreads just to like read the summary for it and just at first glance you wouldn't be able to tell that like people had issues with it yeah it sounds like a like it honestly sounds pretty interesting it's like a yeah. very well, I, I have an fantasy upright, yeah. adventure yeah kind of like very yeah. high concept like if you just read it, you're like, oh, yeah. like very intriguing hmm. right off the bat. So like I have the Goodreads page open right now and uh, I'm just going to read like, uh, like, like the first like two sentences of it. Um, for her 16th birthday, Vela's son receives the most co- coveted gift in all the spire, a trip to the continent. It seems an unlikely destination for a holiday, a cold, desolate land where two quote unquote uncivilized nations remain perpetually at war. Uh, most citizens tour the continent to see the spectacle and violence of battle. Um, and yeah, like, I guess like the story kind of kicks off when she's stranded on the continent. So is this like Jurassic Park, but like <laughs> Civil War reenactment Jurassic, Jurassic Park? Park? Like, yeah, a little bit. Come to the park and watch these people fight. Yeah. And I mean, it kind of um, reminds me of like, I mean, which is also not good, but could be good if she was like examining this but like the like colonial like view of the empire you know like yeah you yeah. know back then like when the british empire was a thing and people would like go to africa to right. like you know like to tour the continent or whatever so to see the like savages but um, with the comfort of being amongst your own people yeah so yeah. um so i was like oh you know like from the summary alone, I was like, okay, well, that could be problematic, but it also seems like she's, the book is going to address this, like, colonial yeah. point of view. But the problem is, like, um, when these review copies went out, obviously people are actually reading the book, and, like, glaring issues came out, because the two um, so-called uncivilized uh, or savage nations who are at war on the continent bear like really striking resemblance to non-white cultures i guess we can get into that a little bit more so uh so one of the one of these uh races that's featured in the continent is the topi or topi shall we pick a pronunciation topi topi okay (laughs) so topi like it's the book has gotten criticism for it because uh there's like resemblances to uh like Native American culture, and not in a very good way, because they're seen as. Uh, well, why don't you read the passage? Oh my! But it's so long. But they're <laughs> described to have reddish brown skin, painted faces, uh, faces with broad, hard angles, and they're kind of introduced uh, by like them by the Topai clan, like attempting to rape the main character. And they, like, don't speak her language, and they seem kind of, like, barbaric. That's kind of how they're portrayed in the book. And I don't know. It's just, like... Already problematic. Already. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, like, all the worst stereotypes there are oh, about sorry. Native Americans, like, written as a fantasy Yeah cultures so yeah people were like i i don't know it just sounds really bad and and her um in like um kira kira drake's uh and in her apology one of the reasons that she put out was that the topai are uh were inspired by the arukai in lord of the rings 
Uh, she said, Lord of the Rings is one of my favorite books, and the savage, brutal nature of the Arukai breaks my heart every time I read it, which is at least once per year. The Topai are a savage people, are savage people. They are in no way inspired or meant to represent Native Americans. Uh, and then she says, like many, I am a person of mixed nationality, race, and then she lists Native American as one of the races that she has in her blood. And take and that she takes great interest and pride in her ancestry. All right, let's be. Let's 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 like like throw some Tolkien. That whole like the Urukai were pretty much stand-ins for like non-white nations. Yeah, I mean that whole (laughs) okay, the whole fantasy tropes of other races. It's just like euphemisms for racism, right? Right. I love Lord of the Rings. Like, anybody who knows me knows that, like, I do a marathon of the movies at least, like, once That's every so year. I have the extended edition. <laughs> I own the books. I've reread them, like, so many times that I had to buy, like, multiple copies because they, like, <laughs> they, like, got torn apart. Um, and the thing is, like, Urukai, they're not human. Like, they're not represented as, like, a human race. They don't have lines in the book. And also, like, there, like, there are, like, racist stereotypes underneath there. Like, uh, they're described to have uh, black skin, and they're also described to have slanted eyes. So, yes, there is some, like, Asian stereotypes thrown in there. And it's not okay, but... Like, but the thing is, like, it's so far removed from like Asian culture and Black culture. It's it, it's like completely its own thing. Although it has has like roots in like negative stereotypes. Like, I think it merits talking about yeah. as in like what was his intention in like creating these races and stuff. But it's not like like this is literally a Native American like stand-in. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, and I guess like um, part of the conversation too, especially after the apology came out, is just that, you know, I don't think anyone thinks she intended to write something like offensive and harmful, but it's that like there's this blindness there that um, that can, can come out and you don't realize, like you think that you're completely making something up or removing something so far away from what it may or may not be inspired by that it's not recognizable to the real world but you know if you're not like it doesn't seem like she's even aware necessarily that the urukai are also problematic yeah (laughs) so it's kind of like if you don't even if you don't recognize that there are like racist roots in those parts of lord of the rings then you know of course you probably didn't realize that like you you're description of the topi are basically you know the worst stereotypes (laughs) that have ever come out about and this has been a problem in in just like the fantasy genre overall over Mm -hmm. like past decades because so much fantasy is inspired by tolkien and that's why a lot of fantasy-based shows and movies there's only white people and you're like what the hell like why are there no like yeah, other people right. of color. Everything's very like medieval European based. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be that way because it's fantasy. Yeah. Like have a little bit more imagination. <laughs> so what's the other? The other is the um I don't know how to pronounce those. Avani, Avani, Avani. 
Avani. Very fantasy name. There's like an apostrophe and everything. That is the oh. only thing. The name of the race is the only thing that's like not Japanese about, the, about right. this race. Oh, these race. are the Asians. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're described to have singular, singularly dark hair, beautiful bronze skin, almond-shaped eyes. And um, when, when our main, like, when our heroine of this book is like being held captive against the topai she gets rescued by uh pretty much a japanese ninja like i'm not even kidding it's it, it's a ninja and he takes her to the village and there's a whole bunch of people with japanese names like literal japanese names like yuki like that is a japanese name not like not a made-up name that's not its own thing yeah, and the village, it sounds like it's populated by a lot of, like, Japanese fantasy slash, like, anime type, anime char- type characters. You know, there's, like, a feisty swordswoman and, like, the <laughs> the love interest who rescues the heroine. Um, he has, like, a little brother who has a giant dog. And there's, like, a healer who... Um, like, I don't know, is, doesn't speak or something, but is, you know, very kindly. Um, so th- there's, like, so a lot of... So rescued in, like, Naruto world or something. Kind of, kind yeah. Of. That's what it sounds like. So so that's why, I mean, so you can see why the continent um, kind of blew up literary YA Twitter, because um, there are a lot of issues with it. And again, I don't think anyone thinks she did this, like, you know, the author intentionally went out to, like write stereotypes or hurt people or whatever but it's just indicative of like a kind of so from what what i understood from what um rira showed me about the just uh the twitter like justine ireland did a did a live tweet of her reaction (laughs) to the book and you know it's a little bit sad but at the same time it's pretty funny so (laughs) yeah so a lot of the the dialogue has been whether or not this is racist because it is fantasy and also, it's shades of the whole like PC backlash, right? Like, are people being too sensitive about this and all that? Um, I did agree with Rira that it was a little like it's just like there's a lot of like shot and fraud here, which is just watching someone's ignorance get called out at the same time. Um, for me, I don't know, I kind of felt like I can't believe this got past, like, the publisher. Right. Right. I think that's, like, what a lot of people are seeing. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of other people, like Justina Ireland, who have, you know, are have been watching this issue, um, they're just like, you shouldn't be surprised. Like, look at how many other books with, like, <laughs> similarly problematic things have gotten past people. Right. And, that, and that's, that's why it's, like, necessary to point out the issues, because they keep getting passed along so yeah yeah i wonder if i mean this is making excuses i wonder if this is more like a post-apocalyptic like maybe they are japanese and indians and they got thrown <laughs> into this like hunger games world too i don't know i'm giving the author too much credit at this point but i'm also like i'm, I'm a little <laughs> bit disturbed at the fact that like okay so the spire the continent like it's just filled with people of color fighting each other. I mean, there's also a race of black people in in the continent, and they're just like, no, we we will not get involved. And they're like playing like kind of like the mystical black 
they're pretty much playing like morgan freeman you know right like was like (laughs) we will not get involved until like we are called to action and um but i think it's like a little bit disturbing that like the people who are spectating all of the violence and all of the uh like all of this quote-unquote savagery savagery um are white people they're yeah yeah they're literally watching people of color hack at each other for entertainment for vacation right and this is like um you know an ongoing trope um not just in fantasy but oftentimes in fantasy where it's like the white people are like you know the enlightened the enlightened race or they're the saviors Hmm. and it's always like you know people of color who are uh helpers or they're the ones killing each other or they're the bad guys you know and it's always like the like you know the trope of like white savior in like like thrown into a like a group a community of people of color and then they're like oh like I can fix this like it's pretty much last samuraiing last samurai like in a fantasy world mm. right yeah yeah or like dance with wolves or just like we can go on we can listen yeah, to so it's many. the 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 white person can do this better than the the actual people yeah. right exactly yeah. so so which uh, brings us to, like, I guess, like, the main topic for this episode. Uh-huh. Just our feelings on when <laughs> when white authors uh, write Asian protagonists or use, like, Asian settings as, like, as part of their plot in, in their books. I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Um, I mean, you know, obviously, I don't want to say... Um, I'm not, I'm not someone who would say that, like, I, that people can't write what they want to write, Mm -hmm. um, so to speak. But, and I, and I do think that, like, white authors can write Asian characters, but I think it just, you know, I think all we're asking for is that you research and you respect, like, what you're writing about. Yeah. Um, because... (laughs) you know, Asian people are people too. (laughs) So, so I feel like, you know, like I have, I've read like books. Um, I mean, most of us have probably read books by white authors about non-white people and they're probably pretty good. Um, like there are definitely good ones out there, but it's because they like treated the characters as people and not as like some exotic, you know, thing to like, you flavor up their fantasy world or whatever. So I think that's I think that's the main thing is that people just want to be respected and, you know, for the author to have empathy for yeah. what they're the subject they're treating. It sounds like this author, especially this book, dealt a lot with you know, tropes and stereotypes. And um I'm sure maybe it was because of the first book, so the nuance would come in like the second or third book in this in the it's a trilogy, right? What I think so. Doing. But at the same time, like when the baseline is already, like, like we've said so many times tonight, problematic. Like, it kind of. You, I think these days we're asking for a little more legwork on the on the parts of our authors, right? To right. Like develop their characters a little, especially in in literature when it's all about characters on the page and writing. Yeah. Right. I think, like, with me, like, the main problem is when, um, yeah, sure, there are white authors who can write 
uh, non-white stories and do it exceptionally well. Right. But the problem is there's so, there are like people of color who can write those same exact stories, but they don't get recognized. They don't get as much publicity. They don't get as much um, marketing or money to get their book out there. And that's why their books are kind of like passed over in in like the judging panel for right. awards and that's that's really upsetting because it's just like well <laughs> yeah yeah so um like, yeah like a white author writing a really really like well done book on slavery like how is that going to compete with like a black author who you know wrote a story on like slavery and right yeah it's just like well like how do you handle that you know like it's mm, yeah so we're talking about questions of just the general like institutional privilege that white authors have right yeah like yeah like it's a question of opportunity because um because yeah like i i think like vera said like there are white authors who can and do write like beautiful stories about people not like them but the problem is that, like, you know, people who have the lived experience don't get the same opportunities or recognition um, that the white author does. So maybe it's on the white author's part to maybe step back and make room for more. <laughs> also, it's own like the question of like their intent, right? right? Are they just like the thing that I've been hearing a lot on like social media and like on, on like on like articles is that diversity is now like considered a trend in right. publishing and i'm like well diversity isn't a trend it's it's our new reality. it's real life it's, it's yeah. real life and like like authors who are like oh i need to like have diverse characters in my book so i could like sell more books i think that's the wrong intent like right. why go why go through the effort of writing something that you don't really have any experience in doing right just so you can make just more to, money like, like, it off right but then if you're like if you're a white person and you're like i really want to write this book about like a gay black middle schooler in like an inner city because i want to bring attention to it because i know that i'm privileged and i know that like people will listen people to me. will listen to me and maybe like like non-black people will read this book because right. there is the issue of like well like, 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 I think a lot of publishers, they say, oh, this is our black author. Like, right. Like, <laughs> read him. And it's same thing with Asian authors. Like, this is our Asian author. Yes. Like, all the Asian people should read this book. And it's like, no, like, there needs to be some, like, crossovers, you know? Like, right, it, yeah. Otherwise, people aren't going to learn new things. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. people think that, like, because it's a black author writing about black subjects or an Asian author writing an Asian fantasy that like they're, I don't know, like they're intimidated to read it because white is seen as seen as default. So yeah. you like just right. view it as a fantasy. You don't ever go like, oh, Lord of the Rings is a white fantasy. You're just like, no, that's just fantasy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's like we're just talking about like Asian sci-fi. Like, right. What, is, <laughs> yeah, um, what, what are your thoughts about the other way around then? You know, like, Asian or Asian American authors writing stories that don't feature any Asian characters. Uh, I have a very complicated, like, <laughs> like, I don't know. My feelings are so mixed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
I bring this up only because this is typically the first argument that gets brought up. Right. About yeah. This like, how come it goes one way, not the other? You know, in terms of you know casting, there's a pretty there's a pretty um, well, I I feel like there's there's a not a simple but a very logical explanation, which is you know in terms of casting characters, you know, you can cast white char- characters written as white with other races because white characters are typically blank slates. They can be anything. Right. Whereas right. characters that are written as Asian probably shouldn't be given to a white person because they're written as Asian. Like they're not blank slates. Right. Right. So in the literary world where you can, you know, where an Asian American, where Rira Yu, the author might realistically write a story about a white fantasy world without any Asians or, yeah. You know, even like medieval times or something. See, like I'm, I'm like okay with it when, like specifically when it's like not set in the real world. Because if it's fantasy, if it's their own world, and they're like, oh, like it just happens that my protagonist is not going to be Asian, Mm -hmm. like they're like, or they don't like, or they fail to mention it, right? Because it's just like, oh, Asia doesn't exist in my fantasy world, so why (laughs) should I mention that this person is Asian, right? Um. And, like, to that degree, like, I think I'm, like, okay with it. But, yeah, I do I, I do have mixed feelings when I read a book and it's contemporary and it's YA. And I'm like, <laughs> like, I'm really, I have a lot of issues about, like, um, with, like, YA books particularly because it's for young authors. And that's when, like, at least for me, like, books, books that I read as, like, a middle schooler, those stuck with me. Right. So it's like, oh, if it's, like, harmful, <laughs> then I, like, I'm just like, oh, that's gonna, like, last a while in the, in the kid's psyche. Right, because so. that's, like, your, I mean, like, a lot of my childhood favorites are still my favorites, yeah. you know? Yeah, so I agree. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, it's, like, obviously, I, it's fine for Asian writers to write white people and part of that is like the casting thing where you know we have so many white characters it's kind of like they're seen as blank slates because um we have so many examples of them you know so there's like almost there's no like stereotype you're not like oh white people are all like this because we've seen like rich white people poor white people like you know gay straight magical whatever but like with um, with like non-white characters, a lot of times it's like we're always in the same roles. So it's that whole like privilege opportunity thing again. Right. Um, where it's kind of like, well, if you have a harmful stereotype of a of a non-white character, like it has more impact because that's already what the audience is used to and what, you know, you've internalized as true. Whereas like, you know, with a white character, like maybe you write a really bad like white character but it's not going to make like society think that all white people are like that right you know so um (laughs) so you know i'm fine with like that but i'm i i do like have mixed feelings about the whole like if a asian writer writes a book and there's no other races in it Uh, but i also don't want to say like oh because you're like non-white you have like that you have to carry the burden of like representing non-white right. people, you know. And I feel like, in, at the same way, like non-white authors have, you know, are more aware of the diversity issue too, right? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. 
Um, I am just imagining the movie version of the continent and how problematic oh that would God. be. <laughs> no. Maybe that's what the publishers have thought. How do we, like, will we ever be able to sell this as a movie? Right, like maybe you should is, visualize right? it as a movie. Because I, yeah, because that's that's true. the end goal of most YA. Like, I don't think, not, not the end goal of most authors, but like for publishers. I mean, I'm sure that's part of it. Like, can we make this into a movie? Will this be the next Hunger Games, you know? Right. Like, yeah. I think it's also, like, the fact that, like, when, at least with, like, white authors writing books about Asia or with Asian protagonists, um, they're not really going the Asian-American route. They're, like, talking about Asia, like, a totally different culture. And I'm just like, well, when Asian-American <laughs> authors write, write yeah. books with white protagonists, it's usually set in America. Right. If, like, if it's contemporary, you know? So it's, like, American culture. Right. It's not like they're trying to write a totally different thing, you know? It's... Yeah. So I don't know, like, it, it gets a little bit hazy there, but yeah, definitely privilege and um, <laughs> and just representation plays a big part in it. Yeah. I think it's definitely a, a discussion that we'll probably have more and more in the future, especially as more Asian Americans and Asian authors become more, more um, prominent in, in mainstream literature, I guess. Um, but from what I hear, the, the continent is back in... Um, it's no longer being released in January, right? It's being reworked. Yeah, they're delaying the publication <laughs> because of um, all the issues that were raised. <laughs> well, hopefully they um, they fix them. I guess I don't know how you can. <laughs> I yeah. mean, if she if she really wants to like to like get into the core of it and like restructure her world in in that book. It's it's gonna take a while. Yeah, like it's not, and I don't know if like the publisher is willing to like take that much time. Yeah, to rework yeah it's not it. like a simple like. It's not like, an easy fix. search and replace. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Instead yeah. of like reddish brown people, let's make them purple. Just like <laughs> like it's yeah. still not okay. Yeah. Well, uh, good luck to the author, and um, hopefully she learned her lesson, I guess, um, or learned something from this whole experience. Um. And I think that'll do it for this um, this mid month edition of Books and Boba, the podcast. Uh, for those of you following along, um, this month's book is Monstrous, a graphic novel by Marjorie Liu. And uh, both Reaver and I have both finished it. Alice has also yes. finished it. So we can't wait to talk to you all about it. Yeah. And oh. it's like an Asian inspired or Asian aesthetic fantasy. Yeah. So, Pretty so awesome. many thoughts. <laughs> all right. So that, that'll. That's going to do it for us. Um, We'll see you all in a few weeks. Keep reading. This episode of Books and Boba was hosted by Marvin Yue, Rira Yu, and Alice Van Chang, and produced and edited by Marvin Yue. For further discussion on the books covered at Books and Boba, please visit our Goodreads forum. You can find the link on our Facebook page at Books and Boba, as well as by searching for the group Books and Boba on Goodreads.com. Books and Boba is also a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a brand new collective of Asian American podcasts and podcasters. You can learn more about the collective as well as check out our founding slate of programs by visiting the website www.podcastpotluck.com. Love.